Luke chapter 2, verse 52 is our main text that we want to focus on today. And I'm preaching on this because I believe that we are back in business. Oh, your yes was, was very weak. I said we are back in business. All of us in the business sector, the church, everybody's trying to get back to business. I believe you are back to who you should be and what you do as a person. And I believe we should get back to who we are and start growing and exploring who we are and fully exercising the fullness of who God has made us to be. Luke chapter 2.52 says, and I'm reading the King James Version, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The Young Living Translation says, and Jesus was advancing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. I don't know about you, but I see you advancing. <laughs> I said I see you advancing. Jesus was advancing. So that's what we want to talk about today. Growing in wisdom and stature. We want to grow. We don't want to be stagnant. Hallelujah. First, Jesus progressed, number one, in wisdom. What does, what does the Bible mean when it says he was growing in wisdom? The word for wisdom there is the Greek word Sophia. I'm sure Nalebo Sophia Valentemu. And that word is translated wisdom. Interesting. That word Sophia doesn't have a lot to, to refer to uh, rather, or let me rephrase. It doesn't mean having a lot of book learning or technical skills or knowing some complicated subject. But that word wisdom in scripture is always practical. It's not just head knowledge, information in your head. But that word wisdom means the ability to cope with the situations of life. Jesus grew in his ability to cope with the situations of life. We're under lockdown right now. Huh? We're under the restrictions of COVID-19. How do we live life under these circumstances? We need wisdom. How do you do church in times like this? How do you still move on with your life instead of putting your life on pause and in hibernation? We need wisdom. I mean, you know, when I listen to the news, it's amazing. Even when you listen to how businesses have done in terms of profit, some businesses have made a lot of profit. When some businesses have actually shut down. In the same time period, in the same season, I see you advancing in wisdom. <laughs> that word wisdom means the ability also to handle relationships. And to lead people and deal with moral issues and spiritual issues. See, when we have wisdom, we make the right moral choices. We make the right choices when it comes to who we serve in terms of spirituality. And Jesus grew in that. Which means, therefore, wisdom helps us to make good decisions in our lives. He grew in wisdom. 
Tell your neighbor, I see you growing in wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is his insight. Tell your neighbor, I see you growing in wisdom. Secondly, it says, not only did he grow in wisdom, he grew in stature. That word stature, in the Greek, it means maturity. He grew in maturity in years and in size, age and stature. What it means is, it's not only growing from a physical standpoint, but it means coming into an appropriate stage in your life. Go to how fit a stage. When you, are, when, you are, when you are 20 years, you don't behave like you are 7 years old. And then how are 70? How You should have done that when you are 15. Look at your neighbor and say, Come on, I'm going to be a So Jesus progressed in stature. He came into an appropriate stage of his life, watch, where he developed. The question is, are you developing in your potential as a person? Or are you missing a stage? Paul says, I want to apprehend what Christ apprehended for me. He says, I'm not comparing myself with other people. The only comparison I'm making is when I put Christ here and I stand here. When God's expectation was for me to be so many meters tall, have I reached to that standard? See, it's easy to feel like you are moving on and you are succeeding when you compare yourself with other people. But it's another thing when you compare yourself with God's expectations for you. Hallelujah. So Jesus grew in stature. He came into the appropriate stage of his life where he developed. You develop as a leader, you develop as a parent, you develop as a child, you develop as a coach, and not only do you develop, you develop others as well. He grew. But then thirdly, it says, not only did he grow in wisdom and in stature, but it says he grew, grew as well in favor with God and in favor with men. Now on face value, we might be Tempted to misunderstand that. That English word favor there can be very misleading because, you know, we know God loved Jesus. You know God favored Jesus. But did people favor him? Because if you want to be honest, when you read the Bible, you know that Jesus wasn't liked by everybody. In fact, the religious world as a whole didn't like him. Church people. So when it says he grew in favor with men, is the Bible telling the truth? Yeah. We know, of course, he enjoyed favor with God. But after he started preaching, he wasn't always favored by people. Now it's up until you, you check what that word favor means in Greek. That word in Greek is the word C-H-A-R-I-S. Write it down. C-H-A-I-R-S. And that word charis means grace. Grace. Or gifting. So Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in gifting. 
Watch. It wasn't that everybody liked Jesus, but Jesus was gifted when it comes to dealing with people. <laughs> ah. He had the ability to understand and help people who come with all kinds of temperaments. And he knew how to have impact on people at all levels. He was able to help them as he was also exercising the gifts that God had given him. You see, the gifts that God has given you are meant to be a blessing to others. And you should be able to navigate those gifts. So when we talk about growing in wisdom and stature, I want to focus off on this. How you and I can come into an appropriate stage in our life where we develop as a person knowing what God has imparted in our lives and therefore we can be able to impact other people. Tell your neighbor and say, I see you growing. Tell your other neighbor, I see you growing. So to grow in wisdom and stature, you must know your shape. I'll bring a mirror just now. And if you would, write the word shape, S, full stop, H, full stop, A, full stop, P, full stop, E, full stop. And I'm using that as an acronym as I'll quickly go through certain things we must grow in. We must grow in our shape. Now, before I go into all that, why do people not grow in their shape? I'll tell you why. Number one, first reason is fear. Fear. Secondly, a lack of knowledge. Most people don't even know how they have a shape. Thirdly, caving into criticism. I want to say that first before we talk about your shape. See, your shape is a unique shape that God's given you. Nobody is shaped like me or like you. Number four, when people have no opportunity to serve so that they can know their shape. You will never know your shape if you never serve someone else. Or if you don't lead anything. Number six, when people are under-challenged. And this is why I so long for us to get back to normal, you know, or to get back to, you know, bigger capacity because, you know, in church here, we give people an, an opportunity to serve. And when you have an opportunity to serve and we challenge people for excellence, and when you challenge people for excellence and you push people, you know, they, they discover what they've got. They discover what they've got. You've got to put people into, you know, a situation that's tough, just like the CAF championship. You know, when we start playing teams that are outside South Africa. So you can shine here. You can shine here. But then when you cross other countries, then you, you don't shine anymore. No, you, you have to be able to still succeed even when you are in an unfamiliar territory. That oftentimes because people don't know their shape. Number seven, when people have no confidence, no confidence in themselves or no confidence shown to them. We've got to be able to empower people and show confidence in them. Give them a chance 
to exercise their gift and their talent. That's the only way to grow. Give them a chance to fail dismally. Because a wise person doesn't let failure bury them. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying here today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. One translation says, We are God's own handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God has prepared good works for you. I said, God has prepared good works for you. God sees you growing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. God sees you going up and dealing well. So Paul says, we are God's handwork. Here is workmanship. The word workmanship means a thing that has been made. We are God's making. And it says, we are God's handiwork. I love it. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has predestined for us or ordained for us. The word ordained means God has prepared beforehand. God has already appointed before. In other words, it means the idea here is there's a previous determination and an arrangement beforehand that God has made that there are certain things that you will succeed in in your life. When it comes to those areas, oh, number one. But if you don't know your shape, you'll be misplaced. If you don't know your shape, you will try to be great where you were never meant to be great. You'll try to succeed where you were never predestined to succeed in that area. I'll look at your neighbor and say, Yeah, Shumela, Lopishop Shabaya. No man, I mean, how, Wagit. Nyabezo, Kaya, how, Nyabezo. Oi, Jesus. David says in Psalms 139 verse 16, your eyes saw my substance when I was still yes and perfect. And in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashions, when as yet there was none of them. You are already written in your book what I am going to become. You've already set a path before me that I am supposed to walk in. Hallelujah. The common English version says, but with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. Bible in basic English says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, all my days were recorded. Even those which were purposed before they had come into being. The good news Bible says, you saw me before I was born. The days allotted to me had all been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. In other words, God has written down if that's your name. will do this and become this. And, and, and even before they are born, as I'm molding them and, and shaping them in their mother's womb, I will, I will put in them all the qualities they will need to be able to fulfill their function. So you need to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor and come into the fullness and come into your own. But many people live lives, Bazalana. Say, Shota. Are you there, Bazix? Are you there, Bazix? Jesus says, You have not chosen me. John 15, 16. But I have chosen you and I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Let's quickly go to the 
Let us shape. S stands for spiritual gifts. I'll give you the verses. Romans 12, verse 4. 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Exodus 35, 30, verse 30. To Exodus 36, verse 2. Let's say it again. Romans 12, verse 4 to 8. 1 Peter 4, verse 9 to 11. Exodus 35, verse 30. To, verse 32, to, to Exodus 36, verse 2. And when you read all those verses, listed in those verses, are what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are gifts given by God to every believer and to every, to, to every believer. These spiritual gifts indicate what you will do with your life. What you will do. Therefore, if you operate in life in line with your spiritual gift, you will be able to serve and operate more completely. What you will do. Many people don't know the what. Now I know, you know, we have got a lot of latitude today in terms of careers and what people can be involved in. It's not like in our day where there was just one of you. But even then, Bazalon, the what is an important question. There are certain things that are not your what. In the way you are wired, it's, it's just not you. You know, there are some people who are not great with dealing with people. They are not very patient. So we, we, you, you, we shouldn't give you a job where you deal with people. You must deal with machines because machines don't care, even if you are in a bad mood. I don't know why I'm looking this side. <laughs> yeah. The what? So spiritual gifts then, and when you read that, it's amazing that there's almost over 30 to 60 different spiritual gifts that are there. And the Bible clearly says that God has given to every believer, everyone, everyone. Are you there, Bazalan? Are you there, Bazalan? Are you there, Bazalan? Are you there, Bazalan? Among the spiritual gifts that are there, I love to talk about the spiritual gift of leadership. Now, anybody can lead, everybody can lead, but there's a gift of leadership, and people have that gift. There's a gift of administration. There's people who are just incredible administrators. In, in Exodus chapter 30, the one that I've given to you, there's this guy who is, a, who, is a, who is a craftsman, and God has given him a gift. People who are artisans. I mean, you watch these guys who are artisans. They're just, just incredible what they are able to do, these artisans. You try and do that. And see what happens. Forgive. Are you there, Bazex? That's the letter S. The letter H is heart. And you can write John chapter 2, verse 13, and Romans chapter 1, verse 8. John chapter 2, verse 13, Romans 1, 8. Paul says in Romans 1, when he writes to the Christians there in Rome, he says, I am a debtor. He says, I am a debtor to both the Greeks and the Jews to preach the gospel. He's saying, I, am, I feel like one who is obligated to render reparation. He's saying, I, 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 am, I am passionate in my heart. What I'm doing, I'm doing it from my heart. In fact, when Jesus threw out the money changers and all the people who were doing all those things in the temple, the Bible says his disciples remembered about him that the zeal of the Lord... The zeal of the Lord has consumed him. Jesus had 
passion. This word heart is the word passion. You must be passionate. There are things that you are passionate about. There are things that you are not passionate about. And unfortunately, most people go into things that they are not passionate about. You must always be pushing them. You know, when you are passionate about something, you don't need motivation. In fact, you don't even need to be paid. The salary, yeah, like Bishop Nwaka says, the salary is to work. You, you, you gain by working. You, you get more out of doing it. When you do it, you can't stop. Even if they don't pay you, it's enough just to get a chance to do it. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying we must work for Mahala. That's not what I'm saying. I say we must have a, 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 a heart or a, a passion. A, the letter A stands for ability. Ability can be God-given, which call it talent. But ability can also be acquired. We call it skill. For talent, we find in Exodus 30, 35 verse 30, the man here, he's given a gift, a talent by God to be a craftsman. But then Ecclesiastes 10.10 talks about skill being acquired. Don't only depend on just doing it until that you are not skilled for. We should pride ourselves in giving the highest level of service wherever we are. Do your best that way. Now you will be above average when it comes to others. Uskazama. No. Make sure there's something that differentiates you. Make sure that in you exercising your gift and your talent and your abilities, growing in wisdom and stature, we will we will refit because there's something about you that differentiates itself. Everybody. What is it that's unique about you? Special about you. Everybody has got their sick nature. Everybody has got their stem. Everybody has their seal. What is your seal? What is it? P stands for personal style. Your unique trademark. In Romans chapter 12, we read there how people have been gifted. And everybody has their trademark. In 1 Corinthians 12, I love it. It says, and all these gifts are given by the same spirit, but their operation is not the same. Everybody has got their trademark. Even when you listen to people who are Bible teachers, we are teaching out one. Who now have a teacher by Emma Mo? Babang about teacher about jumper jump. Babang about teacher about prophet about teacher. Babang about teacher like the lady that I'm used to say, you teach, preach. It's a hybrid type of teaching. What's your trademark? When you listen to people who sing, you know, I, I love music. I listen to all kinds of music. Yesterday, for some reason, I was listening to opera. Pavarotti and, yeah. yeah I was listening to Pavarotti yesterday. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And I was listening to him collaborating with other people, you know. And, uh, oh, that guy was just something else. Hey, but, you know, he has his trademark. And then they had the three tenors. It was him, uh, Kim Barakoli, Kimang, Kimang, eh? 
Bocelli, Bocelli, it was Pavarotti, Bocelli, and the other one. And they were singing the three of them. And I tell you, each one habina, you hear a uniqueness. It's all opera. Mara, wautwa, kuri lao shebile kwa ala habina, wautwa, no oye na o. Ke Pavarotti. Can we do that, Kawena? For lao shebile kwa ala sasheba. I'm not saying but if you live to try and imitate others then you are not growing in wisdom and stature and in conclusion <laughs> in conclusion E stands for experiences Experiences can be an indicator where God wants to use you. And I want to close with this one. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, when God spoke to him, he said about Moses, he said, Moses, I have seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cry. Now, that's important, because remember, Moses understood what oppression was. When he was a child, he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He lived in a home that was not his home. Raised in a foreign place that was not his place. As he grew up, he was conflicted. Seeing his own countrymen, his own people being brutalized. Him living in a palace. He could see them murdered and killed. And he tried to jump in and help. So he kills an Egyptian. He tries to help. But then he has to run away. Wherever he is. There he is in hiding. And as he's there in Midian, he's thinking about his home. He's thinking about his people. And God comes to him and says, what's well, about forward? What you feel is what I feel. Yes, he is in Because you see, when you serve in an area, when you serve in an area where you are troubled, when things are not in order, you serve more completely. You will not steal. You will not cheat. Ukasa chaisi before nako. You serve because you are going into. That's why Jesus is such a perfect high priest. Why? Because in all matters, he suffered just like us. Jesus can feel our pain. So when we call, he understands because he was there. Your experience, even if it may have been a bitter one, could have been a preparation for God. He wants to you to serve in that same area where you were brutalized, in that same area where you felt the pain because you understand those people more completely. You feel their pain. You can serve them more completely because you know what they're going through. God says to Moses, Moses, I know, I know, I know, I know you have seen. Moses, what you have seen is what I've seen. What you feel is what I feel. And when God's heart and the human heart partner together in solving human malady, there's no telling what God can do. I'm saying there's no telling what God can do through you. No telling. No telling. No telling what God can do through you. As you grow in wisdom and stature, pursue God's will for your life. Do what God has called you to do. Give your life to him today as Savior and Lord and give your all to him to serve him to the fullness of his glory. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the anointing and the presence of God and the power of the Spirit of God that rests upon these, your children. Those who are committing their life to Christ right now, Father, I pray that you'll fill them to overflowing. 
I pray that they will know Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray for those who want to serve you, that they will serve you, that your spirit and your anointing will rest upon them. I also take this time to pray for the people of our nation, the pain and the hurt that we've been through. I pray that your power and your spirit will rest upon us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God loves you. God cares for you. God is aware about you. You are not just a number. You're a human being made in the image of God. Make sure you serve him. Make sure you bless him. Make sure you give him all your life. Make sure that you grow into the fullness of who God has called you. May God keep you and God bless you. And let's meet again next week Sunday. God bless you all.